there is absolutely no psychological fear and you are beyond all gods. And God said he should send his one begotten son to lead the wild into the ways of the man. What does it matter? Our home, our nation, all the things we believe in are in great danger. Overtake, subjugate, and back to destroy another. The plane ride into the World Trade Center. Welcome to Idiotic Ideologies uh, with your host Cindy Little and Josh Fernandez. Today we are going to be talking about leadership with Cuevas Peacock. Yes. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Glad to be here. Yes, thanks. Good. And um, let's just go ahead and get started. Tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, so uh, good afternoon to you both. Thank you for inviting me to the podcast been talking with Josh for some time now about getting up here, so I'm happy to finally make it. Yeah, man, thanks. Uh, so I'm originally from Southeast Texas, Port Arthur, Texas. I like to say it's the only place where oil and water mixes. Uh, and so uh, and the reason why is because Port Arthur is on the, the, the Gulf Coast, but we're a big oil town, oil industry town. And so and even though there's a lot of money that comes through the oil industry, Port Arthur itself is a, is a fairly poor city. And not poor in spirit or poor in, in people, but just poor in uh, socioeconomic status and in, in uh uh, mm-hmm. Financial-wise. Uh, and so I say that because, well, I, I started there because my whole outlook on life and the, and the type of work I do right now is kind of based upon my upbringing. I wanted to make Port Arthur a better place and uh, making uh, the community there better and more prosperous has led me to the work I do today. Uh, and so uh, currently I work at Bell University. That's the, I have no title, Associate Director of Community relations, community relations, community relations, uh, cultural wealth and capacity. Yes. Uh, Wow. I know, right? That's a a title. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. And really, what that means is that uh, Baylor is trying to be more engaged on regular community. We want to do it in a way that's intentional, uh, intentional, Uh, and so do it in a way where we are engaging in the sectors of health, education, economic development. Uh, And as we engage in these areas, you want to make sure that we're not just doing it with the traditional partners that Baylor have, but we want to partner with communities of color. Uh, and so uh, that's the cultural wealth side of things. And so I get a chance to kind of play in all those spheres, making sure how can we align the resources of the university to where we can actually uh, align with the, our city's resources. And so, for example, uh, how can we help our local school district? Uh, uh, how can we help our local school district? Within Waco, there's issues around early childhood uh, development and early learning. So at Baylor, we can help by uh, hosting pre-K academies, making sure our uh, our, uh, our educators or our upcoming educators that come through Baylor are aware of the needs of the community and it's kind of helping them to kind of get plugged in while at the same time the resources that may happen to come through the university through research, whatever it may be, we can kind of make sure that our local school district are getting access to it. And so uh, a lot of my job is just connecting. Uh, and so, you know, Baylor itself is just... It's a lot of silos there. Uh, Waco's a lot of silos, you know. See yeah. the silos? Yeah, funny. yeah. <laughs> and so just kind of bridging these things together. While at the same time, capacity is that so there are a lot of nonprofits in our community. Right. Uh, and, and while I think nonprofits do a lot of good work, they sometimes get in their own way, uh, uh, get in their own way of doing great work. And so they may be uh, in the habit of going out and serving people, 
but they're not always solving issues. Yeah. And so with capacity, we hope to figure out how can we help them solve issues in our community. And, I, and I've been doing that for some time, but I've just started officially doing it. I've been kind of doing mm-hmm. that kind of inefficiently, so we have a lot of uh, more work to do there. Uh, but that's what I do at Baylor. But I think a lot of times my leadership or who I am is really um, about what I've done outside of the university and what okay. even brought me here. So I consider myself to be a community builder. Uh, and what that means is that, uh, so prior to me being at Baylor, I was a community organizer in East Wake in particular, where I would work with residents of the city to identify ways that they can kind of make their neighborhoods better. Uh, met Josh through a program called Movies Waco, where residents, yeah. uh, they wanted to figure out how can we increase our fitness outcomes. Uh, uh, we uh, we had a YMCA there, we had a park rec facility there, they couldn't afford it. And so they were like, hey, well, hey, what we can do is we can figure out a way to get access to free workouts. And so we worked alongside our residents, we wrote grants. Uh, I was talking about how to write a grant, we got some grants that uh, was awarded to them. And then from there, they were able to kind of gain access to free work- workouts. So a lot of my job in the past has been just engaging with people where they're at. And as we engage with them, we are able to work alongside and figure out how can we get the resources they need to create the communities they want? Uh, and so I still do that in a lot of different ways today. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's really just uh, in a nutshell about who I am. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. that's great. And I mean, kind of what I got out of that mm-hmm. was um, you're, you sounds like you're kind of in charge of digging a little bit deeper. Like you mentioned the, the uh, local nonprofits mm-hmm. and that they do good work, but they really don't get at the root of some of these problems that are here in Waco and probably in cities all over the nation. Mm-hmm. And and it sounds to me, if I understand you right, that you are going more deeply into these communities and working with the people in the communities at length and saying, hey, what do y'all need to improve your neighborhood or improve your children's education? Mm-hmm. And, and then taking that information and going to you know other nonprofits or Baylor or whatever, and trying to get everybody together to actually solve some of these problems. Yeah, did, did I get that right? Yeah, that's a good way to put okay. it. Okay, good way to put it. And, and not just with having them going to these places to get get access to these resources, right? But um, realizing that they have a lot of assets already. They have a lot of things they can bring to the table already. And so uh, you think about leadership, making sure people realize that you're a leader just. We all have a leadership ability, yes. and so sometimes it's just making sure how do we get into tapping into our own leadership skills and kind of uh, how do we gain access to help to kind of cultivate and grow our ability to lead. And so sometimes it's bringing people to resources, or other, other times it's really just helping them realize that you are a resource to begin with, and you just got to lead. You just got to kind of uh, jump jump off that cliff. You got to realize that you, know, you have a power to be whatever you want to be uh, and that there are people here to support you while you're working uh, walking along that path. I love it. You know, yeah. I'd love to put, we, we're just now getting our Facebook and our Instagram pages up and I'd love to have resource links if you could give those to me later on yeah. you know, to post on there so people can learn a little bit more about all this. Yeah, 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 uh, definitely. So, um, <laughs> I remember one time mm-hmm. talking, I get a chance to serve on a couple of boards. One particularly is Act Locally Waco. Uh, and I think we have tried to uh, funnel mm-hmm. a lot of resources through there uh, mm-hmm. just to make sure people are aware of ways to kind of get engaged and kind of grow their communities. So, awesome. Yeah. We, we, we might get to them, but I guess two questions popped to my head of um, what's, well, I'll start with the first one. Uh, what's the whole way to go about if it's working? I mean, like the measurable. 
it seems like measurable results is always thrown around within these things. But I don't know. Yeah, what's y'all's way to kind of gauge the the word progress mm-hmm. within that? Yeah. So the way I I know I, it's hard, but yeah, that's yeah. a good question. Uh, very good question. Uh, so I, I will say that organizations see it differently, uh, but I think me. The way I, I gauge progress is my ability to work myself out of the job. Uh, and so, especially in the nonprofit sector. So I think, uh, let's say I'm working on an issue that is dealing with uh, uh, health. Well, no, let me not say health, let's say hunger. And so if I have been able to go and acquire resources or I've been able to go to work with people to say, hey, uh, this is why we are hungry right now. Uh, and after a year or so, they no longer need me or I'm no longer uh, called upon. That means I have succeeded. A lot of times people choose to try to stay in this field, but they have failed, they could have worked themselves out of a job. And so, uh, so I guess in short to answer your question is that when the need is no longer there, uh, when the need for people is no longer there, uh, when people are able to uh, 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 do for themselves, by themselves, mm-hmm. uh, and when people lack a certain desire. And so I say that that's broad, as vague, because they look differently in, in each sector. But the biggest thing that keep, that comes to mind for me is how have you worked yourself out of this job? Well, that probably pretty much brings me to my second question of like, then, yeah, what what do you see or what what? Because it's hard to see it, but what do you maybe observe is the hardest problem with you know having these resources and you come to these communities and you do things, and then it, from my observation, it seems like there's always this. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to use certain words, but it's very hard to get people to say, "All right, look, we're we're just we're here. Here is the help," and then and then people, so to speak, aren't meeting you that halfway, or just in general though. What what is there? What, what problems do do we face in our communities? That kind of because it seems like every community it's it's a constant thing. It's, I mean, it seems like pretty much you can go into it thinking, I mean, you want to solve the problem and have the solution, like you said. But at a certain point, it's like we never get there. Um, and so I don't know if you've had any theories or just um, observations of, a, of what you see as a major problem within that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Um, I, I guess I would say who to paralyze with. Well, who the... Mm-hmm. The power does not always lie with the best problem solvers. What I mean by that oh, is... Oh, I like that. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> what I mean by that, you know... It's a way to, good yeah. way to say it. The problem solvers are usually the people yeah. uh, versus the power or the institutions or organizations, where it may be. Like more of our Waco, the, the Waco government, so to speak, or like maybe... Or even just people within the, their households. So, so when I but, say so yeah. institutions, that can be uh, government, that can be uh, uh, universities, that could be... Parents. N- I mean, anybody, right? Mm-hmm. No? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. good, good. And so uh, actual organizations. Okay. Yeah. And so... And so Versus people are just people, just residents, mm-hmm. uh, just just me and you, mm-hmm. uh, and so people who are usually seen as in need. When I think of those people right there, mm-hmm. versus uh, you have this thing. It's a concept. I forget the exact uh, framework for, it, but it's the nonprofit industrial complex. Yes. Where essentially these nonprofits, they come in, they get all this money to go out and solve certain things, mm-hmm. and that keeps them in operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, when in reality, if you just give the money to the people. The yeah. problem be solved, yeah. and so uh, I think a lot of times because they have created this this additional system mm-hmm. to kind of funnel things towards mm-hmm. that it, it it the power remains there, versus if you eliminate this additional system, uh, it can go straight from resource straight to people. I guess uh, then you will no longer have these ongoing issues. 
And so that that's the way I kind of see it based upon what I I'm assuming with your question. You yeah, know, that's, that's, yeah, that's good. And then, I, I'm, then I'm assuming those people in those nonprofits should I don't want to say should, but I guess if they have that in their heart to help, and, you know, and then their goal is to work themselves out of a job, there's always another issue. So then, because I was just looking at then, of course they don't want to work themselves out of a job because then they won't have one. So I don't know where would they move from from there. If, but I guess if your intention is always to help, then there's always another system, so to speak, or another organization. Yeah. Maybe if I'm yeah. saying the right words. Well, I think uh, what you mm-hmm. said uh, is, is key in that that's my belief. That's where success comes of working yourself out of the job. Uh, and that's why I think that's how you get the root cause of certain. That's how you get to the root uh, mm-hmm. uh, cause of certain things. Right but people who are in these certain sectors, these institutions, very good-hearted people. They want to do very good mm-hmm. work, uh, but they also want to figure out a way to kind of live. They, they need to be able to support themselves. I was going to say, they want that paycheck yeah. to continue yeah. coming in. Yeah, and so yeah. It's, 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 so while I can, I, I understand that at the end of the day, in order to really solve these things, you need to kind of eliminate this, but while you're trying to solve these things... That's part of the social infrastructure, pretty much. Like, we need money, and we need money to survive on, so it's like you're... Yeah, you're trying to do good within a structure that, uh, I mean, uh, is is never ending. The machine's never ending because the society that we, the capitalistic society is where is what we're working in. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it, it doesn't mean there's no hope there. It just means, um, I guess we we kind of run into that double-edged sword, yeah, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, uh, I'm just trying. To, yeah, I'm just understanding it. Cool. Great. I like that. I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of that striking that balance because I understand the people at the nonprofits. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like this is their job. Mm-hmm. You know, and they may not necessarily want to work themselves out of a job, exactly. but you know, they want to also help people. And I know they're exactly. great. I know their hearts are in the right place. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, try, they're not trying not to work themselves out of a job, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess it's just a. Uh, but it, but they're still working there, so I guess it's, it, I'm I, I I'm just seeing the the whole. Um, yeah, and I guess that I guess that then that's where it just goes back to as you and your position as a leader or or as an organizational leader to always come about the problem, so to speak, uh, differently. Mm-hmm. So when you come back around, it's like, all right, we have to totally do something different. I mean, I don't know what, what that looks like, but it can't be this same repetitious process that I seem to notice with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, and and that's you know. While you're within these spaces, you recognize that. But at the same time, you still are dealing with the fact that because we live in a broader capitalistic system, mm-hmm. I still got to live. It's hard. And so, and so mm-hmm. I'm not at that level of leadership. Yeah, that's a, when I think about leadership, you're always striving to be better, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm driving towards that to where I can do that fully. While that is my mindset, uh, I haven't been able to achieve it just yet. What I mean by that is fully working myself out of jobs to yeah. where I'm just... Mm-hmm. You know, just be able to live and, and live and, and not when I say me, I'm thinking about collectively able to live. That we are able as a collective to truly be able to thrive. And do y'all talk about those problems, um, the, the psychological issues with that? You know, like like maybe you know, yeah, the the the, the problem here is hunger and and, and the, the the economic statuses and and some people just have that the way that they they've grown up. You know, that they are stuck. It, it's it's hard to get out of that. I mean, just your environment and, and, and the way that your, your brain is working. And, and as y'all come around these issues, I'm just asking, is there, um, do y'all ever really look at that? Like, okay, just this whole problem that we all kind of face as humans with wanting more or uh, 
somehow maybe not wanting to uh, get off of you know help because you know say you're getting a lot of government help that means at some point I have to get a job and I have to you know you, you have to do something totally different too as, as a human being these people are trying to provide you help but in that help there also has to be a, a change in the way me on the receiving end of that help is, is doing something to do something different so I'm just curious if, if y'all ever talk about that um or, or, or. So I'll say this. Um, I'll you know, enjoy the discussion. So I'm mm-hmm. going to clarification. When you think about how our country has been built, uh, we have all received levels of governmental help. Yes. And so, uh, so I, I want to keep that in mind real quick. Definitely. From a business standpoint, uh, from a land ownership standpoint. So our our country as a whole has only been able to thrive due to our government supporting the, its, its inhabitants, our, our country. And so I think one issue is that that we as uh, citizens, we don't realize just how much uh, we have benefited from our U.S. government. And when I say by that, a lot of times we don't realize that our taxes, people pay taxes, and, and mm-hmm. these taxes that support your people. So mm-hmm. I want to keep that in mind real quick. But as far as your, your initial question, I think maybe, maybe not within the organization, but as an individual, uh, so maybe not within the organizations I worked in, but I think in the communities I work in, just me being engaged in community with others, uh, there are a lot of conversations and saying. I can see that, yeah, the, the, the more the psychological um, um, issues, yeah, but you, you, you were touching on it. You, you just being in the community and talking to people like you're talking to us is, mm-hmm. It, there's some there there is value in that yeah yeah and so and so a lot of my uh, I'm real big on social capital and what I mean about just the ability to kind of utilize not utilize but ability to meet people where they are and as you meet people where they are you're able to kind of dive in deep to say hey uh, yes you're gonna get this but you need to come here as well mm-hmm. and a lot of times that that uh, means you have to connect with people to realize what's keeping them from getting here. Or, or help them better understand the landscape that they have dealt with to, maybe it's not something that they have self-imposed upon themselves, but what are some obstacles they're facing to get here? And so you just have to kind of get people, you have to meet people where they are to understand why they have not advanced in certain ways. And once you have understood that from their perspective, then then and only then can you truly get them to uh, receive whatever they, or not receive, but to do what they need to do to get to where they can get to a level of progress, a full progress. And so, but just, just so maybe not within the organization, but it just, I just think as people, uh, we have to start doing a better job just talking to other people. One-on-one talks, and then by having those one-on-one talks, then you can kind of better understand why someone may not be taking this step forward. And then you can only, then you can truly help them to take the steps yeah, forward. Yeah, you, you said something earlier, but it was along the lines of, um, yeah, as you come, as a leader, yeah, you're also making somebody else realize, look, don't, me psychologically, I'm not going to look at myself as a, as a leader or as a certain authority or as a, as a certain specialized teacher. I, I know that about myself, but I'm also going to look at you and the value and everything that you provide. And I want you to psychologically not look at yourself as someone that's went through trauma and that's somebody that's less than or somebody that's a, that's just um, a lonely peasant worker. I mean, that's kind of ingrained in that brain conditioning. So, yeah, uh, just to, I guess what I'm doing is just putting it into other words too. But yeah, that's we're getting down to that real issue of when people communicate with each other. We see it all the time on social media. Luckily, I don't see it in Waco a lot. Um, but just this whole hate um, where you're, you're not listening to what 
someone is screaming out and telling you like I am affected I'm angry I'm uh, I'm all of these things and, and somebody's like well we're all angry we're all this and it's like just shut up and listen I mean like really just listen and feel that yeah you're right we're all angry so what are we what is the problem and and, um, and the problem's not um, a particular person or a particular group or a particular um, ideology or something I mean that's within it but the, I think the main problem is yeah the whole communication and listening uh, yeah. Thing. yeah I think it's realizing that um, it's, it's going back to uh, we all have this innate ability to lead mm-hmm. we all have this innate ability to 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 be humans and to, 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 to thrive and to have emotions to love whatever it may be and just because I, I was born on this side of the table you that side of the mm-hmm. table that's the only difference we have. We're born different sides. Mm-hmm. But you're realizing talking to people one-on-one that we have a lot more in common. Oh, yeah, people are smart. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, not, they're, they're, they're smart. Uh, Beautiful. They're smart. Yeah. They're all these different things. Mm-hmm. But unless we take the time to actually engage in people uh, and truly engage with people from a space of, of wanting to understand people for who they are and, and value uh, them as, as they as they are, then we'll, we're missing out on this beauty of life. There's a, a saying uh, that that goes, "My uh, my difference is my gift to you, yes. and your difference is your gift to me." And so, it we got to embrace each other's gifts, and oh so we have God. to kind of just uh, meet in the middle there. Yeah. I've heard that you know being a good leader entails, and and you just basically <laughs> have said all this just now, basically entails giving people freedom to, like you said, solve their own problems giving them the tools they need to solve those problems. And then if they choose not to solve those problems or really don't feel like they want to, figuring out why Mm. and building those relationships. And so, I mean, that's kind of what it sounds like you're talking about right now. And Mm. that is, it's like, let's come together. Let's not have me up here going, you need to do this, 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 because I said so, because I'm superior to you. It's, hey, let's all work on this together because, I mean, these problems are big Mm -hmm. and they're complex and they aren't going to be solved overnight Mm -hmm. and they're going to take a lot of time and effort on everybody's part. So I admire you for that, for being able to to just like get in there, (laughs) you know, and really work with the people who who are trying to solve these problems in these communities. Mm-hmm. So, well, I, I want to mention what Chelsea said, too, when we talked to her about compassion and how, I mean, you're probably aware of this, but just to mention it again because it's so vital that there was a little kid and, and the little kid was going through bullying and, and mm-hmm. things like that and would come to school with, you know, raggedy clothes on and then the kid went and, and pissed everywhere in the in the restroom and we've all gone to restrooms and it's just some somebody did something there. And she asked the kid, you know, why'd you do this? And he said, somebody said I was disgusting. Mm-hmm. And so the, the brain also, us as leaders in these positions that have kind of broken away or that feel, or feel like we, we see the problems in the world, we got to also remember, too, how, how fragile the brain is. And, and when people come up, you know, with, with past, their, their, their traumas, uh, their past, you know, not just what they went through, but their grandparents went through and so on. When you're aware of all of that and then you have society telling you, you know, you're poor or, or yeah, you're discussing the bullying going on in the school, you you start to become crystallized in that. Mm-hmm. And so then um, it's just a, a, just an observation of, of seeing, again, um, when I talk to somebody to just, they're the same as me and, and there's no, and, and if I feel like I'm a leader, or I know better then what do I want to say? Somehow show it. I mean, show that you know better, but not by 
dominating, but by being the same as them. I mean, you have your security, you have your money, you have your your mental health well-being, and so leave leave all that behind and and dive into what this person's really going through and, and try mm-hmm. to then show them the way out of that programming and of that conditioning. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think in life, we have a narrative to assign to everything we, we deal with. So what I mean by that is there's a narrative assigned to the library. There's a narrative assigned to Baylor. There's a narrative assigned to Wake Up. And as leaders, we have to be aware of what the narrative is. We have to make sure that the narrative is the, is the right narrative. Uh, and when I say right, uh, to, uh, right in the sense of just. Uh, so, as we place these narratives on people or institutions or on places, we have to recognize that these narratives are influencing and impacting how these people, these places, these institutions, these places see themselves. Yes. And job. so, um, as leaders, we got to check ourselves in that in that sense. Uh, because if not, then we'll continue these false narratives that can we'll continue. Which to hurt is why people. you're a leader. You mm-hmm. you you have the ability to you know check yourself and mm-hmm. leave it behind because you have so much security. You have you had a good life or or whatever whatever that that looks like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we we you know if you're number one in the class, then I don't know why there's not a responsibility to be like, all right, you know whoever you are, you you're you you're you're doing the best. You got the highest grades. You know so what that means is now your responsibility is is one that needs to then bring everybody else up with you. Um, but but do it again in a very non-dominating way. And so, yeah, no, it's great, yeah. great. We're all in this. Yeah, that's yeah. I like that you mentioned, yeah, the narratives. Like you said, the library has a narrative. Baylor has a narrative. Um, I went to Baylor, graduated from there, and taught there. So that really struck a chord with me, you know. And so, and how important that is to... Um, really recognize what that narrative is wherever you're at and you know and kind of check it mm-hmm. and and make sure and that you aren't I don't know that you're just not it's not getting in the way mm-hmm. and that it's it's not causing problems or creating barriers it's like you said it makes somebody else feel like it can make somebody else feel just different Mm-hmm. Like yeah, you said, it, yeah. or terrible, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Like oh man, these people mm-hmm. are so great. They're in these this beautiful Baylor building, and well, uh, yeah, it reminds me of conversations with you that I'm I had with you about mm-hmm. going through a doctoral program. Oh yeah, and um, you <laughs> know, getting my doctorate and point blank being told at the end of it, "Welcome to the club," and mm-hmm. of PhDs, which means you know something about something you're better than, Mm -hmm. you know, and act accordingly. And, you know, and it's like, that's not a good narrative Mm -hmm. to buy into, but it's, it's there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I I don't want to go off on a tangent, (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs) but yeah. So anyway, yes, be careful of the narratives. And, and, and I guess, and, we all have our own narratives too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, be aware of. I, I think it's just introspection and self-reflection and realizing who you are, where you mm-hmm. came from, where you know, and and how you're impacting those around you. Absolutely. And how you're being seen by those around you. Absolutely. absolutely. And and really mm-hmm. kind of keeping keeping an eye on that mm-hmm. and correcting it where it needs to be corrected. Yeah, yeah, I, I have to do, well, I don't have to do, but I've done trainings on uh, uh, bias and, anti- and implicit and explicit bias. And the reality yeah. is that we all have biases. and, oh, and, and, and big I'm, time. <laughs> and, and I, I'm very much so biased in a lot of different ways, and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the key to, to uh, utilizing your bias is that realizing you have it and checking it when you're in every of these spaces. And so being self-aware of the biases you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, because to go out and say, I don't have one, it's going to be a false. It's going to be, it's, it's false. It's That's not real. ridiculous it's is what that is. Yeah. <laughs> but we just got to, we got to uh, uh, remain aware. We got to acknowledge what it is. And we got to uh, ensure that it doesn't negatively interfere uh, in our relationships and our conversation with others. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to move on to the. That was like the first question. Actually, the first. Yeah, we're like, wow, we're like, we're like 30 minutes in. That's okay. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, tell us a bit about what you do and and differences between good and great leaders. Did do you have a person in your life or had a person in your life that had an impact on you as a leader? Someone that you really looked up to, maybe a mentor or something. Yeah, you can, it's more than one. You can, yeah, yeah, you can talk about more than and that's one. That's the thing. Uh, you know, I always try to find. So I've been asked like a similar question on that before, and there's not like one single person. Of course, you know, you know, my mother said a lot of different. Uh, so I'll say this: I think I've been taught a lot of different styles of leadership by a lot of different people, and then in learning from these different people, I have been able to kind of formulate my own model of what leadership is. And so when I think of my mother, uh, uh, she led with love. Uh, she led with love. She led with uh, 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 safety, security. And so that's I want to think of leadership in that way. Uh, I, I refer to her. Uh, when I think of leadership in a sense of being um, uh, intellectually sound, uh, there's a professor that I had um, um, in undergrad. That's okay. Uh, that's okay. Uh, Dr. Price. Uh, uh, Byron, Byron Price. What is so, and so uh, he was helped me lead in being intellectually sound, or at least to realize that uh, if you're going to say something, check it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, credit it, whatever it may be. Uh, or, or, or do your research to identify where these particular uh, sources come from. Uh, there are leaders who I deal with, uh, uh, well, gentlemen who I, I refer to today as my. Uh, male mentors, and so uh, I think of uh, Melvin Carter, uh, Dexter Hall, uh, Frank Graves, um, James McCoy. These are all black men who I've met here in Waco who have really helped me uh, grow as a black man um, and, and, and be comfortable in, in all aspects of me. Uh, and so not necessarily to kind of shy away from this side or that side, but to really just kind of show up in my full self. Um, so I, I, it's, it's multiple people along the way who where I have felt as well, I want to grow, I want to be better in this way, and who I, I've been lucky, I've been blessed to kind of identify those people and find those people. Mm-hmm. And as I find those people, I have to, have to kind of learn how to be a better leader because of them. Um, so, but at the same time, those are people that immediately come to mind, but I think the real key of a leadership is to know that you can learn from anybody. Uh, and so, uh, oh, I like that. Uh, and so, you can learn from anybody, and, and, and that is so true. Very true, very true. I mean, there are so much that I've learned from Josh. So much is our time together. I've learned from you, and so to have this mindset of just of of, of openness, but at the same time, openness is one side of it, but of willingness to learn from someone who 
uh, you may have never met or who have is simply have a different experience from you mm-hmm. because uh, they have something, they know something you don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know a lot you don't know. And so just as a leader, I just want to be able to learn from everybody and I'm intentional in, in making myself open to doing so. That's great, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that takes a, a tremendous amount of um, humility. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, I thought of the word humbleness. Like, yeah. what humble really to humble yourself? To humble yourself. I mean, before anybody, even somebody angry or being violent. I mean, um, yeah. To just humble and watch and, and learn from what's going on, even with that individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's not, it's not always easy. You know, sometimes you fall short in that area, uh, but that's being human, right? I want to ask if you can go in deeper into it as far as you know, a particular maybe kid. Um, I mean, at a certain age. I know being too young is is, is, is kind of out of the question, but maybe at a certain age, I think maybe around middle school, I could be aware of, um, or I mean, even before that, like f- from fourth grade and up, I could be aware of just w- where can you where can you look if you're like, man, my parents are, you know, they don't care. Uh, my teachers are always frustrated with me, um, and of course we have books, but what 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 would what would you say or what would you tell that person to look? I mean, you kind of touched on it with saying, I mean, look, look to everybody and learn from everybody. But in, in a sense, the, the child that's very conditioned and maybe just filled with a lot of trauma, a lot of uh, fear and anger, uh, where where could they turn? Would you ever, would you ever, you know, what do you say about <laughs> yeah. that? So I laugh because I'm actually going to turn yeah. it around. That's good. Uh, I think as leaders, it's not as much our job to tell them where to look. Mm-hmm. But as it is for us to go to them so they Secret. can find us. Good job. Uh, and what I mean by that is a lot of times as you grow in opportunity, as you grow in, I don't know, in, in status, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. we feel as if, oh, I've got in mind, and so I'm not going to worry about nobody else. And so as leaders, we have to be more intentional in going back into those spaces, knowing that when I was at this age, I didn't get this. I should have received I wanted to receive this, mm-hmm. but I wasn't there. And so um, I, I didn't have nobody there. And so as leaders, we have to go, knowing this is still happening, Mm-hmm. Known as is still occurring, known as is still a need, we have to be intentional going back in to fulfill that need. And so I think as you do that, as you go off and you kind of you go back and you seek these kids who are like us or who may be like us who already need this help, uh, they, they, over time, they realize that we're actually there for them uh, and that, that we actually want to support them. And then they end up getting what they need, not so much by them being proactive, but by us being proactive. Somehow you've at least put that image, even if it was at some point that kid at least remember has that in their yeah. head now instead of thinking the world has abandoned them exactly exactly so like you know, i think of uh so before i came to wake i was in education and so i think about uh i taught in middle school taught in elementary as well i think about how i would i would go to certain uh city meetings right there and so i so i had a, a male mentoring group and so we had it in school and so that was very good so we would bring people positive males into our, into our community who were doing work in our community so that our kids could see them for one thing. Mm-hmm. And so that was them bringing people on campus so they can kind of see us on a day-to-day basis. But also, I was involved in a lot of things in the city. So for the kids I, I worked with, uh, I grew up here and right across the street, a couple of housing projects in my, but the whole neighborhood was kind of a lower income. So I, I knew these kids, not only in school, but in, in the community as well. So whenever I would go somewhere, I would call them, hey, I'm going to do this. Do this is positive. I want you to uh, be there. They made. It, they didn't know what, what was going on at the time, mm-hmm. but they, but they did it regularly. And as they did it more and more often, they became more comfortable with it, and they became more. Uh, they became more exposed to certain things that they might not have been exposed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a result of that, I have had a lot of kids 
uh, who have been able to do a lot more things that have been beneficial than uh, the ones who, who weren't. Uh, it was some hit or misses there, but uh, at the end of the day, I think I did my part in trying to expose them to spaces and to places and to people that if I wasn't there, they wouldn't have been exposed to. And so, uh, again, it's not so much about, it's hard. I don't want to put it all on the kids. For sure. I want to put it on us to kind of do what we need to do to support our kids. And you use forward. that word exposure, which mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, uh, I won't go down into it because it's a deep conversation again, but... Uh, Exposure on, on that end, and then also uh, I've just noticed, you know, anybody, I would just use this word rich or that comes from money that hasn't been exposed to certain things, like take it upon yourself, the responsibility to say, I want to expose myself to that. And it doesn't mean you have to go into a, a, a community, but to just, we have so we have internet, we have YouTube, we have all these things. So tell yourself, I want to, if you say you want to help people, then expose yourself to it. Put, put that in your, your brain and in your psyche and just be aware that, of what's actually going on and um, I'll share a quick thing where yeah somebody married a lady and I don't know if I've said this on here but we've probably said it but somebody married a lady and the lady said uh, I made just enough to afford my rent and that was the first guy that just made the the, the, the rich husband think he's he's never heard nobody say that he's never had to worry about his rent and it's unfortunate then he hasn't had the just on, on opposite ends the rich person isn't exposed to how much suffering is in the world how much um I mean, how serious this is um, within our communities. And yeah. so, yeah, please, if you want to, if you say you want to help people expose. Yeah, and, and the problem with that is those same people who haven't been exposed, who have no certain type mm-hmm. of contextual knowledge or just really lived experience. That's true. Those are the ones who are in power and making decisions for how to solve these problems. I guess to say, I want to go find out then. After you've been exposed to it, then you start that process of finding out. I wish, but that's oh, yeah, not yeah. always the case. <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot of times that's not the case. And so I keep going back to those who... The, the problem solvers it goes back to us maybe and going even into the rich communities. Well, 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 it's, it's more so those who have been given the opportunity, those who have the resources to solve problems mm-hmm. aren't the best problem solvers because they aren't connected to the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those who are the people who, who are dealing with these problems on a day-to-day basis, they're the best problem solvers, but they don't have the resources. And so the people who are currently in power, they never do their due diligence to go where uh, the people are at and, mm-hmm. and become aware of these issues firsthand. And because of that, these problems aren't being solved because they have no real contextual knowledge of, of, of these, these, these issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're doing things very much so far removed. And because they're so far removed, uh, the issues and, and the, 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 the lack of change that remains. That reminds me of a story. Mm-hmm. I used to work at Baylor School of Education mm-hmm. and um, I supervised student teachers at mm-hmm. North Waco Elementary. And I mean, yeah, that, I just thought of this one story. One of my Baylor students came to me and said, I want to plan a field trip to the Waco Suspension Bridge because the, some of the children had never been, they'd never seen the Waco Suspension Bridge. And I mean, which is what, maybe two miles from where they live? They'd never seen it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to me, I it, it just really struck me. I mean, that's just like, unheard of mm-hmm. you know how in the world can you not even see parts of your city that you've lived in all of your life mm-hmm. but that wasn't you know as I spent more time there I found out that wasn't that uncommon mm-hmm. and so you know it's something that simple you know sometimes where it's just exposing kids to you know here's your city 
you know, mm-hmm. let's take a walk, mm-hmm. you know. If there's something outside of your house and your school, your house and right. your school. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, but I think, so, so I, I agree 100%. And the issue would be is that because you are in that setting, that environment, you're able to become aware of that, 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 that how kids are not being exposed to mm-hmm. certain areas of the community. But the problem is that a lot of times the people who have the power to change that, they were like, their assumption is that, oh, of course you're going to get the exposure. Uh, but right. because they have that certain assumption, right. uh, they fail to realize the true reality of the situation. And because of that, they are uh, inaccurate in, in, the, in how they can mm-hmm. solve these situations. And so because they're assuming and because, they're, and because they are assuming without any real world knowledge and real world connection, mm-hmm. again, these issues remain. And so it's, it's, it's that go back to how do we engage with people on a one-on-one level? Uh, how do we uh, take ourselves from our high horse uh, and mm-hmm. go to these spaces? Or at the same time, how do we take ourselves from our current environment and go to something different from us? I remember taking some kids growing up, so Port Arthur's right on the water, so sir. But uh, a lot of kids had never even seen the water. And yeah. S- and so. Uh, and that's mind blowing to yeah. me, but yeah. yeah, but it was very eye opening. Very eye opening. And, and, and it's, a, it's an ongoing reality. And so not only did they get to see the water, but we went sailing. And so that's my first time. Wow. So, we, so <laughs> we went sailing, and that's my first time experiencing things alongside with them. And so, but it's the reality is that unless we check our bias and, and check our bias, so that's one thing check our bias and, 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 and know that just because I got something doesn't mean the next person got it. Yeah. And once we check that, once we have checked it, uh, followed up with actually doing something about it, then these situations will remain the same uh, going forward. So, yeah. so that, that goes right into my next question. Um, let's see here. So I'm thinking, do you think that that is one of the biggest challenges facing leaders today? Is just checking your bias, checking our biases, and and making sure maybe that assumptions we're, too. We're not as yeah. That's we're why not I just assuming. drop assumptions. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or what are? I mean, I think everything you said was pretty much that's the, the the problem facing it. Just this whole mentality of this word or this phrase I know, and just to always say I don't know, and so I'm gonna go and find out, yeah. and with with whatever, and just move from there, and don't assume and don't 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 um. Think you know? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no. And so, so yes, mm-hmm. and it's kind of building that. So I, I can spot on, uh, and I think the best way that leaders can get past that is by supporting those who they have been designated to lead. I guess. And so, how are you really kind of uh, investing into your team? And so, a lot of times, you invest into your team by allowing them to to be. Allowing them to thrive, allowing them to uh, come to the table with certain knowledge. So, if 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 somebody's been hired to do a job, you're you're supporting them as they do this job, mm-hmm. and so that that takes away your assumption. Of, oh, I know what's go- I know what's best. No. Micromanaging, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that takes away from that and allows for people to actually do the the work that they have been assigned to do, and do it in a way where the leader no longer feels as if they're the only authority on this, mm-hmm. but their team as a whole, the people. Who are around them are the true uh, uh, experts in the situation. Yeah, yeah, I like that working working together. So, what advice would you give someone going into a leadership position for the first time? Oh, uh, I guess I would encourage them to be reflective of the ways they have already led. Uh, and so, a lot of times it may not be as explicit. Or earlier you spoke about a time like in the classroom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, about how 
uh, leadership could be as simple as making sure that your fellow classmates are staying quiet when we're supposed to be quiet. Uh, and so a lot of times, if you can reflect back on your life and realize that I have been a leader all my life, but there have been things have I've, I've already kind of uh, taken control over, or not necessarily taken control, but I have uh, been able to uh, support yeah. people around me get better in these different ways. And if you reflect on that, then you are reminded that this leadership role, it may be a new role, but leadership is new to me. And so just I, I would encourage them to kind of just reflect on the ways in which they have uh, led up until now and to give themselves grace in their reflection. A lot of times people say, oh, well, I haven't, I haven't been a leader. But no, you actually have. Like uh, the small things uh, uh, done over and over again lead to big changes. And so if you just remind, remind us of those small things you have done to lead, uh, you'll realize that you've been a very, very impactful leader uh, up until now. Oh, I like that a lot. And give yourself grace. Mm-hmm. That, that reminds me of a story. Um, I'm just going to say it all because I, just to give it context, but I went to St. Louis from third grade to sixth grade. And St. Louis is a private school. You pay money to go there. So people have this money. And I, I, I face a lot of bullying. I don't even remember anybody ever really, um, you know, people would be my friends, but I, I was definitely on the low income. So I'm, I'm like on the low totem pole. And so then... And I remember just the, the rich kids and, and the teacher that would have, I'm not going to say all the teachers, but I, I, I remember one in particular teacher that, um, I'm not, I won't talk too much, but I remember one in particular teacher, and you could tell they had favorites. <laughs> well, I, I, when I think about my life growing up, and it's, it's on me too, but I, again, I'm a young kid, but I just don't remember any teachers that really, I, I'm going to say I don't remember any teachers that reached out. They reached out maybe in their own way. They're trying to do things to reach the class as a whole, but you're not individually saying, Josh, your grades are bad or... Um, Josh, I, I observed the kids and how what they say to you. I, I remember going in the classroom one time. I had those masterpiece shoes, and uh, the kids just swarmed me. I think it was a little bit of, you know, I'm not gonna use the word jealousy, but they're just hating. And then they all swarmed me. I'm like, where's the teacher at? Um, but so uh, just looking at those kids that you know you're you're doing good in school. I even got dropped off one time, and one of the kids said, "Ooh, you live there," and the mom got on to him. But I don't know if it's enough. But those kids, again, yeah, they're in, they're in these positions. You, you're in a position of being, you know, top of the class or top of a society or whatever it is. At some some point, you have a high position. And so I don't know how you would look at it, but to just I can just observe, though, you know, where you come from, those students, if somehow they had a particular leader or the teachers or something. I know something more could have been done or different could have been done to say, look, guys, you guys are like cream of the crop. And so when you notice somebody going through something different, don't um, come to them as from a place of that, that bullying word, but come to them as a place of, um, and you don't want to feel superior, but y- you you can do just do so much to help. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's no, the story. No, I think it's a good point. You know, it it kind of just goes back to... Yeah, you usually have like a teacher and you have 30 kids. And so um, that one teacher isn't going to be able to provide all that for all those kids. And so that goes back to my other point of we all have to recognize our ability to lead because if we rely on that one teacher, that's not enough. We have to get back to a place where, uh, you know, in, I always talk about growing up 
before my time, how, you know, if, if a kid act up at, at class, before they got home, they had got in trouble by this neighbor and that neighbor and that neighbor. And, that neighbor. Right. So, and so how, as a community, mm-hmm. how can we take care of our next generation? And so as a community, it's not just my job to kind of sit back and let your kid go down the wayside, but if I see them, to do, them doing wrong, correct them. Mm-hmm. And so we have to get to a place of this, this community support for our next generation, knowing that uh, if we leave it up to this one person here doing it, one person here doing it, it's not going to happen. And so I think a lot of times as leaders, we got to accept the fact of, of where we're failing. And, and where we're failing is the fact that we don't realize that I'm a leader as much as you are, as that person we may be. And we're failing in the sense whereas if I'm not doing my part to make the next person's child, sister, cousin better, then I have failed. And so it's, it's about us all getting better and not just one of us getting better. But in order for us all to get better, we all have to do our part and kind of uh, reach back and, and give back and, and make sure that those situations don't happen for the next generation because someone has stopped it uh, when they had a chance to stop it. Good. Yeah. And there's a lot of bad leaders out there. I'm mm-hmm. thinking about a lot of bad leaders. So that, that leads me to my next question here. What inspires you to follow someone? How do you tell the wheat from the chaff? <laughs> and, uh... I'm sip. I'm sip. <laughs> oh, that's good. I, I think I follow those who align with my values. Okay. Uh, so I think in order to be a, a, a good leader, mm-hmm. a good person, you have to know who you are. You have to know what your values are. Now, at the same time, uh, you have to have had a chance to kind of cultivate good values. So that's one thing. Uh, So I think I'm in a constant process of cultivating good values. But once I have cultivated those good values, uh, I'll follow those. Or maybe not follow, but I I, I intentionally try to learn from those who have shared values as as myself. Mm -hmm. And as I have those, as I see them exhibiting those shared values, then I try to figure out, well, hey, Here's a way that I can grow. Here's a way that I can get better in this sense or that sense. And so it's really just identifying how do I see myself in this other person? Uh, uh, mm-hmm. See the good things in this other person? Uh, but, or at the same time, how do I see the bad things about myself in this other person? And to say, hey, oh, well, this is what that could lead to, so make sure I try to avoid that. But it really just kind of goes back to this, this, this thought of knowing oneself. And earlier you talked about uh, the psychological standpoint oh, of it. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I'm, I'm a big proponent of therapy. And so uh, how, and that has helped me to kind of get to know myself better. Because unless you know thyself, then you can't lead others. And so. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Now let's see what else we got here. Inspiring to follow. So um, our podcast kind of the basis of it is um, about creating unity and finding ways to end conflict because we're very divided in our country. So do you have any thoughts on how we can end this? And I think you've pretty much talked about this already, but it'd be kind of good, kind of a good sum up how we can end this us versus them mentality because it seems to be so entrenched in so many different ways. And so do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, maybe not an answer, but the thought that comes to mind is one thing of politics. I think the higher you go in the level of politics, the more divided you are. Mm-hmm. I've been able to work on a local level, and, and a lot of times people who may be considered 
Democratic Republic on a higher level, they are working alongside each other on this local level. Uh, and, and they're doing it in a very good, unified way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but I think as we get further removed from people, uh, that's when we uh, uh, lessen our chance to further engage with people and get to know that, hey, it's not you or them, it's us. We, we, we lessen our chance to kind of get to know, to learn about people's gifts and learn about people's differences and, and realize the similarities we may have with someone else. And so the further we, we move we become, the more likelihood of conflict to occur. And so I think the best way we can do is kind of just being more intentional with engaging people who you may not think you have anything in common with, uh, who you may not uh, uh, have a shared history with, who you may have a different liking uh, and food for. Uh, but once you once you overcome this desire to uh, divert from engaging with them and you actually are intentional in engaging with them, you'll realize that, hey, you know what? We're not that different. And, and by us realizing how not different we are, that lessens conflicts amongst ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but at the same time, that that's that's gonna take a long time. I was gonna say, what do you, what do you think the odds are of that happening? <laughs> yeah, and, but, but you know, it's it's gonna take a long time. But right. you know, that's that's the beauty of life. You know, the reality is that uh, we're we're always on the journey to get better. Uh, and that again, going back to that that, that childhood uh, children, mm-hmm. and so knowing that. We can only go so far in our lifetime. So as we're doing that, how do we instill it in the next generation so where uh, they're more likely to achieve it and the next generation is more likely to achieve it, more likely to achieve right. it. So having this long-term game of it's not just about me wanting to end conflict in my lifetime, but how am I creating a foundation for conflict to, to end eventually for all lifetimes? And so it just, mm-hmm. it's going to take a while. But but I, agree. I, I but I but <laughs> but I think the seeds that we can plant today are are going to be worth the other fruit that will they'll come out. I, I want to touch on that because you, yeah. you 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 said it with um, as one person you know comes from poverty and then they they get this money, or again they get this they get removed. For now they're so called hanging up, lack of better words, hanging around celebrities or uh, political figures. You see the movement of yeah they might every once in a while give back but you still have this million-dollar house. And it's just an observation. Nothing's right or wrong. And so um, I think in, in that brings me back to this, um, this, this word of holistic and wholeness. And, you know, as, as a person gets more removed from people, can they still be aware everywhere they go of holding that awareness and saying, yeah, I'm not going to just fragment myself and say, I'm going to go to this party and, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm around these celebrities and, and, oh, I've made it, I'm successful. But to still keep in mind at every moment, because you, you can do it, of where you came from and, and all of that suffering, just because, again, because you, you touched on it, you get far removed from it and something happens within, within us that just uh, almost says it's not my problem anymore. But, to, 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 but then that leads me back to this word, again, division. That's why we're di- divided. That's why it goes back to this word fragmentation. As you move through life, you're so fragmented to be very uh, one-dimensional as you think about things. But can you move through life and be aware of the whole picture of your life, what you've been through, what, what the, the whole of humanity's been through, and then also this, this, uh, the, the, even the goodness of the fact that there's this money and I get to enjoy this life. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. That, that. That's a part of society. But can you just be aware of it, of everything, and then what kind of actions will you have from there, 
Yeah, I think you can. Uh, I think that for those who do it, it's the exception, not the norm. And what I think we need to do, uh, our role as leaders today is try to help it to become the norm. Uh, and what I mean by that is, for whatever reason, we feel as if uh, this, this, this sense of being elite is the goal. And that's not my goal. It has never been my goal. But I think a lot of time people, they feel like this is, this is their goal, you know, to be elite, to, to be... We can observe how much influence they have. So sometimes I think about that, um, just the way people are influenced. And it seems it comes from the celebrities, the sports people. And not that we don't hold influence what we're doing is major. But uh, when you said that, I just... I, the more I've been aware of that, I've almost... I'm still, you know, looking at it but as I'm aware of the whole, though, and how people are influenced, yeah, you said it, which made me want to say this. If you can make it the norm, as a celebrity gets money, the norm is that humbleness and that, look, don't idolize me, don't do these things. I, I, I appreciate y'all. But how often do you hear celebrities really just saying, speaking, communicating in that, in that way? Yeah. And you're right. And so, you know, there's great opportunity to do it more. So my favorite athlete is LeBron James, not because of what he does on the court, but mm -hmm. because of what he does for his community. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, there's a lot more athletes who can do the same, but yes. he is setting a standard to make that more the norm. I'm a graduate of Texas Southern University, which is HBCU. And so recently uh, with uh, Deion Sanders being a uh, oh, coach yeah. at Jackson State, you're seeing a lot more players uh, top level quality talent, top five, whatever it be, going to more HBCUs. And so that used to be the exception. Well, in the 60s and 70s was the norm. And then it went to the exception. So now it's going back into being a norm. And so as leaders, we have to be willing to kind of buck against the status quo, knowing that we may not see it become a norm in our lifetime, but we have to do our part, even if it may seem like a small part now, knowing that it's going to set a foundation, it's going to plant a seed. And so uh, just going back to that point of how we're being influenced, the more, the, the more of us who are changing that, or adopting a different mindset where it's more people-centered than person-centered, uh, the, more, the more people who are doing that, that is going to change how we're influenced by, uh, well, let me, let me take that back. It's essentially, uh, even if it's one or two people doing it, uh, the influence is happening. It may not be happening as quickly, but it's happening. And so we have to just kind of keep adding these things on and on and on and on because as one person does, it's the multiplier effect, right? And so if I do it for two people, then they'll do it for four, they'll do it for eight, they'll do it for 16, whatever it may be. So that's kind of, that's my thought process with all that. Uh, yeah. uh, that's good. I follow that. Well, good. Well, I'd say that's about time. So thank you so much. That, yeah, that was, good. was excellent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I Ooh. learned a lot. We're on a roll with these podcasts. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're going to sign sure. out for now. Right. Thank you all for the opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, learned a lot. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.